sack Is that all you get for your money? And if that's what you have in mind Yeah, if that's what you're all about Good luck moving up Cause I'm moving out Good morning and welcome to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Becky Ivins, leader of the Becky Ivins Real Estate Team and broker for Movers Real Estate. And I appreciate you tuning in today. We have a a little bit of a technical show for you today. Uh, my guest is Elena Cochran. Did I say your name right? Yes, you I did. thought I did. <laughs> I answered it anything close. <laughs> okay, uh, from Chicago Title. And you guys are used to hearing from Ken McBride mm-hmm. from Chicago Title. Oh, yeah. uh, and, I mean, he's been my go-to go- guru for many, many years. Uh, Elena is an attorney uh, in two states, but not Oklahoma. In Georgia. Yes, oh, in but, Georgia. But not Oklahoma. Okay. But you are a real estate closer. Yes, you with closed? Chicago Title in the Nichols Hills office. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Okay, and you teach a lot of CE classes for everybody. I do. So you'll be good to have here today. Absolutely. I'm happy to step in, but it's tough to fill Ken's shoes for sure. Well, I mean, you know, that's just, that is the way it goes. Absolutely. You work a long time, you get to retire. So, <laughs> Ken, I hope I hope that you are sleeping in today. Yes, hopefully Ken is not listening, so he's getting right. much needed Z's. Basically, let's just define what title insurance is uh, and why we need it? Of course. So title insurance is the best way I've learned to explain it rather than using a legal definition is it is rather than home insurance or car insurance that is casualty insurance that helps cover future risks with those properties. Title insurance covers the insurance for your clean title. And it says, yes, this is my property. If anything were to come up on the title, if anybody were ever to come to me and say, hey, I have an interest in your property or there's a lien on your property, we as the title insurance company can indemnify the buyer and make sure that we defend a case against them that says, no, we have insured clean title to this buyer and we will do anything to clear up the issues that may show up. Um, and it's up to the purchase price that they purchased the home for. It's a one-time premium you pay at closing, and it protects you as long as you own the property and as long as your heirs own the property um, forever and ever. And it's pretty much saying we did our job and we've checked all the county records to make sure that everything is taken care of. Okay. And to be clear, it ensures your interest forever and ever from the time you purchased the property backwards in history. Exactly. If you start, if someone files a lien on the property after you purchase it, that's not covered by title insurance. No, it's from inception of the property to the day of closing. So it protects saying from here on forward, meaning back in time, we have checked everything. We have said we have cleared all of the title issues. We have paid off all of the current mortgages, and we have made sure that every owner has successfully deeded out so that you are the full sole owner of this property moving forward. Okay. So what we're going to be talking about today is things that often go wrong with the title of your property. Yes. Uh, and things that a title insurance company deals with. Mm-hmm. 
so that you have clear title to your property. So it covers your past risk instead of your future risk on the title. And it's a one-time payment at closing based on your sales price versus home insurance or car insurance that you would pay monthly moving forward. So it's just a one-time fee. Okay. And, you know, that title lock type of insurance, that is going forward, more or less. They check your title on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, uh, like a security checking or fraud prevention type things moving forward. And the title insurance goes backwards and it is issued by the person in the title company who handles your closing. Right. Well, we want to invite our listeners to be a part of the conversation. So if you would like to give us a call, we're in the 405 Central Oklahoma area code. So it's 405 840 1000. So 840 1000. Call us if you're a realtor out there and you have a question or a comment. I invite you to call. I see you guys at closings. Absolutely. And I appreciate a a very good realtor. Absolutely. Very we definitely appreciate a good yeah. realtor. We want all the parties to be as knowledgeable as they can and having a a realtor who's licensed and professional and understanding is very, very helpful in the closing process so we can communicate effectively to them. Sure. Okay. So uh, basically you cover against fraud, forgery, and errors. Yes. So, you know, I had an error on a title one time uh, in a legal description Mm -hmm. and we ended up, it was actually with what, Chicago title, Mm -hmm. uh, but it used to be Capital Abstract. Yes. Okay. And it was with Capital Abstract. Yes. Okay. And someone made a typo on the deed, and instead of a one, they typed a seven and something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So it was off by like 60 feet. And the, the first thing the new buyer did was to pay to put a very expensive fence on this property. And, it and the lady behind them kept yelling at them, going, <laughs> why are you fencing my property? Why are you fencing my property? And they figured she was very old, mm-hmm. and they just thought she didn't know they what was her property. Was crazy Blew neighbor. it off. Oh, Come to find out, it was her property. Yeah. And... uh so absolutely. And it, the legal descriptions are so incredibly important. And we always rely on a realtor um, to give us a, a good legal description. But then, yes, there are errors that happen and there are typos that happen. And that is why it is so important to get title insurance, because we can clear that up quickly with a Scrivener's affidavit later. Um, it's I also- have a question. You rely on the realtors to provide you the with a good legal description? Absolutely. Oh, well, now, I've never taken that responsibility. I'm just telling you. No, of course. I go with the title and what's on the the current deed. Yes, of course. So what we're saying, I mean, to make sure that we are abstracting the correct property. So sometimes we'll have realtors who will send in maybe just an address, and then people have split it or they want to change it. We want to make sure we're going by exactly the legal description that is on the contract. Right. And so once we know that that's the correct one, then obviously we're looking from the past deed and making sure that legal description matches. Right. Well, we've got a caller. Okay, great. Okay. Caitlin. Okay. Good morning, Caitlin. Good morning. So do you have a question? I do have a question. 
So I went to a listing appointment where the seller is handling the property sale for her recently deceased grandfather. What steps would we need to take if the seller is deceased? Hmm. Yeah, that's always the very first. My attorney who comes on the show is Ron Shalott, and that's the first thing as a realtor that mm-hmm. we do, that I do, is check and see who is in ownership. I often get Absolutely. calls, Caitlin, from people that are not entitled to the property wanting to sell it. Mm-hmm. And right. it's not deceptive usually. It is like a common law uh, widow, mm-hmm. I would call it. Yeah. And that was recent. Someone who had been married to the owner but never well thought she was married, but common law. Exactly. And that gets real tricky. Absolutely. And she wanted to sell it, but she was not entitled to the property. Her deceased boyfriend was entitled to the property. Yes, exactly. I talk about this a lot in our CE classes that I teach. So one of the best tips I can give to realtors is if they're going on a listing appointment is to look up the tax assessor website to see who's currently vested in title before they go to that appointment. In this case, if someone is deceased and you are selling the property on behalf of them, the realtor needs to see what your relationship is. Are you going to be the personal representative for that estate? Um, if so, then you can, we need to see if probate has begun, if the process of probate has begun um, for the deceased, or if we need to help get that set up, we can always refer the parties to a probate attorney to get that process going. You can sell the home before the property has finished probate, as long as the court has decided, yes, this is a valid contract and you are authorized as personal representative to sell this property. And so what we always recommend is that realtors ask how, you know, how were you related to the deceased, especially letting us know that someone is deceased um, because records really aren't filed when someone dies. And so if they can notify title immediately that someone is entitled to the property who is no longer living, we can start to make a plan of how that escrow is going to go and give timelines that can give everybody a good expectation of what's going to happen. So when you notify title, you mean the title company that's yes. closing the transaction? Yes, of course. And I'll tell you what, give us a call. That was a great question, Caitlin. Uh, 840-1000. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with more with Elena Cochran of so Chicago much. Title, Oklahoma. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Becky Ivins, and I thank you for tuning in. And I'm here with Elena Cochran from Chicago Title, Oklahoma. We've asked you to call if you want to be a part of the conversation, and what you call is 405-840-1000, And we've got Thomas on the line. Good morning, Thomas. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Do you have a question? Yes. My wife and I are getting ready to buy a new home, but I've recently learned that I'm going to be deployed soon, uh, but I still don't know exactly when. Do I have to be at the loan closing? Okay, now that's a great question, and that would have probably more to do with your mortgage company than it does the title uh, company, but Elena, what do you say? Thank you, um, for calling in. That is a great question. So we always love to know if there are any 
exigent circumstances in your life that may affect your closing. So letting your realtor know, hey, this is a possibility of deployment. Um, and that way we can set up a remote notary if needed. If you're in the country, we work with a nationwide service and we can send a notary to you at any time for a very um, reasonable price. If you are deployed overseas, we can figure out a way to work with the consulate or to be signing on your base. But as long as you are notifying your realtor ahead of time, then then we can make a plan. Well, and then the military, Thomas, don't they often when you're deployed, you have to uh, sign like a power of attorney to someone else? Yeah. You still there? That's Thomas? true. Okay. We, we may have to do that, but I'm not real familiar with it. Well, the power of attorney has to be very specific mm-hmm. in order to sign a mortgage on somebody else's behalf. Exactly. I mean, the the disclosures and stuff are there mm-hmm. at the closing for you to sign, but they really uh, pale in comparison to the mortgage that you're about to in. As a power, as an uh, attorney, in fact, for mm-hmm. someone else, absolutely, you're obligating that person to pay, even if it's your spouse, yes, uh, to pay the mortgage. So we can, if you already have a power of attorney in place, a lot of times there's like a military power of attorney um, in case you don't know if you're going to be sent off somewhere. Um, title, the title company needs a copy of it, and we will get it approved by your mortgage lender as well, and then. Once that is approved by underwriting, your agent or spouse, whomever you are choosing to sign for you, um, can come to closing and sign on your behalf, and we get that power of attorney recorded along with the mortgage. Okay, now she's, Thomas, she's talking lawyer talk there. (laughs) She does not mean your real estate agent is going to be signing your mortgage yes, for you. Yes, absolutely not. They, you don't want your realtor. I mean agent on behalf of you as the principal who signs the power of attorney. Right, the one that you have chosen to put in power, right? (laughs) Absolutely, whether it's a friend, whether it's a spouse, a child um, of age, of course, um, they can sign on your behalf as long as everyone in the transaction is aware of it and there's a certification we file on the day of closing stating that you are still living and that power of attorney is still in place. Yeah. Do you know what's really been very fun for me is to have uh, great access to your attorney. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, I can just send your attorney a question and she answers me back. Oh, for sure. Which is yeah. wonderful. Absolutely. So it, now, when she retires, you guys introduce me to your I new know. attorney. Okay. Cheryl Saxon, she has been with us for so long, for 30 years. She is a just so much knowledge. Um, we all go to her for all these questions. And I know that she's she probably gets annoyed with us all the time, but we, we just... If we could just have her brain in the office. Well, and you do. I mean, we've got access to that, which is wonderful. Yeah. So that way we avoid any complications that would rise at the closing that needs a few, maybe a couple of weeks to cure whatever that anticipated need is. Mm -hmm. You know, like a deployment, uh, setting up the notary. Now, you guys don't use normal notaries, do you? We use a company called BankServe. And right. it's a nationwide company of, and what we do is people are like, oh, well, are you going to be able to get someone out to me? Na- uh, BankServe has so many notaries that we just put kind of like a ping out. Hey, is anyone able to do this signing in this area? And you'd be surprised there are so many notaries available. So usually we can get someone to respond within the hour when we send out that request to make sure that they can get to your location. 
the cost is usually 150 to $200, depending on if you're a buyer or seller, but it is an incredibly helpful tool if you're not able to be at the physical closing. Right. We get asked all the time, or do I have to be at the closing? Mm-hmm. And uh, typically, it's best if you can be at the closing, but if you can't be, that bank serve notary is what you need. Okay. Thomas, thank you. Great question. Thank you, Thomas. And we've got another caller, Mike. Jamie Jamie is on the line. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. Hi. Yes, my husband and I are buying a house, and um, we already are in the process. I mean, we're going to get homeowner's insurance on the property. Um, Is it really necessary that I get title insurance as well? Well, okay. Uh, There's a lot of insurance. There's... Do you know when you buy a house, there's several insurances involved. Mm-hmm. There is title insurance, homeowner's insurance. There mortgage is insurance. mortgage insurance. So what <clears throat> what do you need and what's the difference in those? Of course. Mortgage insurance is something that your lender is going to put in place if you don't put 20% down as your down payment or if you're getting an FHA loan. Homeowner's insurance is something that your lender requires to make sure if God forbid, tornado, fire, something comes through that they are also covered as an insured um, because they've put it, they've given a usually a large chunk of money as a loan. And then the title insurance is something that protects you as the buyer of the property, saying that we have done our due diligence. We have checked the county records. We have made sure that we have done everything we can to give you clear title to the property. So we are... Uh, Jamie, if you put less than 20% down on a conventional loan or if you're getting an FHA loan, you do have to buy mortgage insurance, and that insures your mortgage company against your default. Mm -hmm. And people go, well, why would I have to pay for that? Well, it's because the other guy, the mortgage company, is bringing most of the money to pay for your house. So you they've got to be insured uh, against your default. Absolutely. And uh, homeowner's insurance, most of us know, hazard insurance, uh, it, you know, theft. Uh, a, a myriad of things, people falling on your properties yeah. and being hurt. Right. So it takes care of that. But title insurance takes care of being sure that you, insures you, that you have clear title to the property. Absolutely. And it also protects against the unknown We can't know about any forgery in the past. Um, We do our best to check all of the possible records that we can, but there's still deceit out there. There could be missing errors based off of um, no knowledge of, you know, an an heir, someone that was born and (coughs) not deeded out. So it protects you against the unknown as well. And so we as the title insurance company take on that and say, you know, in case there was ever fraud or forgery in the past, we're going to indemnify you and take care of you because this is what title insurance does. You know, I had a guy call me not long ago that wanted to sell a property in Norman and come to find, when I checked, there was the guy that called, Mm -hmm. the owner, and then there was also a woman's name on title. And he said, oh my goodness, he said, I almost forgot about her. I haven't seen her in over 20 years. Oh, yeah. That property's not in her name. Well, it was in her name. Mm-hmm. 
And he spent quite a bit of money on a private investigator trying to find her to get clear title. Still hasn't done that. Oh, well, one thing Chicago title we have is called a title curative unit. And we have these two amazing women, Dee and Paula, in our corporate office. And they are in charge of tracking down the untrackable. So when we have an heir that is missing or a really hard judgment or a payoff to get and we just can't seem to find it. They are our internal detectives. They can find anybody and make sure that they get the correct deeds, correction deeds, or or whomever needs to sign. If we can't find them, they are our FBI for our office. And they do such a great job. And it relieves the realtor of having to go out and find missing people from the past. Well, what if you can't find them? Do you have to do like a quiet title? Quiet title is one option. It depends on what we're looking for them for. It could be because they misspelled something on a deed and we can do a scrivener's affidavit instead. Okay. Well, great questions this morning. And if you you, want to be a part of the conversation, go ahead and give us a call, 840-1000. And we'll be back right after this with more on Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Becky Ivins, and I thank you very much for being a part of our show today. It's time for our Word of the Day, brought to you by Robbins Roofing, where their word every day is trust. You can trust Robbins Roofing for a small repair, uh, level your gutters, whatever you need with doing with a roof, Robbins Roofing can do it, uh, even commercial applications. We're going to be having a show coming up, by the way, in about a month uh, where the Brad uh, with State Farm is going to come and explain to us how to file an insurance claim. So that's going to be it's kind of tricky i mean i'm sitting on about a thirty thousand dollar check at my house and if you're sitting on a check for a partial payment of a roof you need to know that's made out to you and your mortgage company you need to know exactly what to do with that absolutely so uh anyway that's upcoming and what's our word today okay our word of the day today is probate Oh, probate. I'm not sure we've ever defined probate. Okay, so probate can scare a lot of people. Um, What it is, is it is a civil court proceeding for the distribution of a person's assets at death. And a lot of people think, oh, I have a will. I don't, I won't have to deal with the court. But in fact, in Oklahoma, the process of probate is the court determining and certifying the validity of a will to make sure the deceased is not being taken advantage of after they pass. So when someone passes away, the heirs or the purposeful representative who was named in the will will take the will to the court. The court will look at it and say, yes, this looks like a valid will. You are now the personal representative and you may distribute assets however they were determined in the will. Okay, so probate and that word of the day is brought to you by Robbins Roofing. You can give them a call at 405 728 3700 728 3700 
Okay, so let's talk about probate. Absolutely. It is a hot topic, especially because a lot of people don't know the process of it, and I think that's what scares them the most. Um, But if you are working with a realtor and you believe the property needs to go through probate, letting your realtor know ahead of time and them notifying the title company so that we can figure out where it is in the process, whether probate needs to be started or whether probate is already in process. Well, how long does probate take? It depends on the assets of the property or of the of the deceased. And unfortunately, that's not a great answer, but it could take nine months. It could take two months. But the good news is you can sell the home before probate is completed. If you get an order from the court that says, okay, we are taking this house, this piece of it. We've determined that this is valid. We can go ahead and sell it and not hold up the sale for us to figure out the rest of the assets of the deceased person. Okay. So... And yes. if, if you want to avoid probate overall, um, you can hold title to the property as joint tenants with rider survivorship, or the best way to hold title of property in Oklahoma is via a trust. And a trust will write out exactly how you want the property to be distributed, kind of like a will, but there's no probate involved. A successor trustee or trustee will be able to, the day after your death, distribute the property and anything in the trust exactly is how you wanted it to be done. Okay. So if someone say has a, a probate going on, mm-hmm. they've got a will. It says exactly what they want to be done with their uh, belongings, mm-hmm. ownership of different properties. And uh, is the personal property inside of a house considered part of the house in in a probate proceedings, or do you have to go to probate in order to sell the internal contents of a house? No. So the when you sell the property to home, you're selling surface rights. It's the land, not anything underneath it. I know Oklahoma has a lot of oil and gas mineral rights issues, but it's surface rights and it's the home. It does not include the contents. So the contents of the home will, if they had a will, it'll say how they want their personal belongings distributed. But the title and the closing only applies to real property, which is the title to the land and the actual home. Okay, so... If it's not specified in the will that the personal property go to, that the rep, personal representative take care of distributing that, mm-hmm. does the personal representative just take care of distributing yes, it? Yes, they do. And so there are, the, being the personal representative is a pretty big responsibility. So make sure if you are preparing your own will or if you're working with an attorney to prepare a will, you want someone who is capable of handling that job, especially because they're going to be handling it when emotions are raw right after you pass away. So someone who has the capability, but also wills, will usually have a list of names. If this person is unable to be the personal representative at this time, They can resign, and then this person. And that's the point of a will or a trust. It says it has contingencies in place. It says if this person is unavailable, then it goes to this person. If this person is unavailable, it goes to this person. And it lays out exactly how they want their things done after they pass away. And that is why the court has to look at it to make sure it is valid. It looks like it includes all of the children involved. Um, It doesn't look like someone wrote up a will two days before someone passed away and had them forced sign it. The court is there to determine and make sure that that will 
is a valid will and looks like it would be the wishes of the deceased. Okay, and sometimes you've got family members that come in there. Oh, man. I know that we had uh, exposure to a probate that lasted six years. Oh, my goodness, yeah. It and can, that's just a lot of infighting of family members. Absolutely. It, it, especially when people pass away, it's so surprising how quickly a family can drift apart or become contentious um, whenever someone passes away and they start arguing and fighting over little things. And it can cause a big issue and it can hold up the sale of property um, that can should be have disposed of, you know, could have been disposed of earlier Um that's just kind of the way it happens. Well, so how can you sell a property before probate is completed? So once you decide, once you have a contract with the parties, um, with a, a buyer, if it's a listing that the, the seller is the deceased, then the personal representative can enter a contract with a buyer to sell that property. They then take that contract to the court at the time that they're doing the the will and getting that valid um, and the court will look at the contract and said, yes, this is for fair market value. I don't believe that this personal representative is selling it to, you know, just their buddy for $30,000 instead of the fair market value. The court will do the same thing. They'll look at the contract and say, yes, this is a valid fair market arm's length transaction. And we are giving you authorization to go ahead and sell the property. So that way you don't have to wait until probate is completed months and months later. So what do you ask like an order from the court? What's that? It's called. called an order of sale. Okay. And so we will ask at closing, we'll record the personal representative letters. They're called letters testamentary that says, yes, Joe Smith is the personal representative of the estate of Mary Smith. We'll record that along with the order of sale that says, yes, the seller may sign as personal representative of the estate and deed <laughs> over to Sally Buyer at this at closing at this time for this amount of money. Okay, so we've got another caller. Ann. Good morning, Ann. Do you have Good a, morning. Hey, do you have a question? I sure do. I'm so glad you have this guest on. I have been going through some of my deeds and getting records up to date, and uh, I sold, I bought a property in 2005, and the address on the property was wrong. And the closing company said they would send me the corrected address at D on the deed, but I never did get it. And I'm just now realizing that. How do I go about getting all that? Okay. That's, man, that's a real life situation there. Absolutely. So where, oh. where should she start? So what I would say is title companies, and the reason why this is always an issue is because we go based off the legal description. Addresses change every day. The address, I mean, people have could have two addresses if they're on a corner. So we go based off of the legal description that was recorded on the previous deed. So the question is to reach out to your title company and follow up and say, hi, I've reached out and asked for this. I understand the address was wrong. Let's check the legal description because the legal description is what actually matters for the county records. Elena, you would, you would not believe how many offers I get on our listings that do not have a legal description at all oh on it's them. It's so important. And they think they can. And then I have to prepare a counter offer that has the legal description. And It is vital. Well, 
you can't sell a property using a street address. No. Uh, it would not be a valid deed if all you did is file. Exactly, because the addresses can change. Lots right. can be split. They can change the, the numbers or the street names. So that's why we go off law and block and plats that were recorded already with the county. And so we can say this addition, lot six, block seven, and that is immovable and that is unchanging. Well, and as a matter of fact, the uh, even if it's a meets and bounds uh, where you go 36 degrees – four minutes and so many seconds along this curve, Absolutely. you know, uh, that is the legal description of the property. Absolutely. And a lot of the the subdivisions, I guess you would call them subdivisions, you get this in acreage a lot. Uh, like I wrote a contract yesterday for track seven of a place up at Grand Lake. Okay. Okay. Well... I had to follow that up with this very, very long and cumbersome legal description. Yes. Because otherwise it would not have been valid Mm -hmm. because Track 7 wasn't filed of record Mm -hmm. and as a parcel of land. Absolutely. So... That's, uh, it's always great when we get a very a legal description on the contract. We're always going to verify with the assessor's office and the most recent deed to make sure they match. And if they don't, we're going to alert all the parties immediately and say, hey, we want to make sure that you guys are contracting for what you thought you were contracting. So let's all double check and make sure it's correct before we move forward. And do you know something? Uh, of course, I've been in business for 40-some years, so I've got lots of stories because we sell a lot of properties every year. But I sold a property, and two other title companies had previously sold it and written title insurance on it. And as I started writing the deed, I mean, started reading the legal description, uh, one line was written twice, so mm-hmm. someone had copied and pasted this yes. very technical thing, and it did not dr- complete, uh, like it didn't... It didn't com- fill in like it was, there was a gap. It was open. Yeah. Ended open land. On one end, and it can't be that. No. So, and you call my office, I will put you in touch with someone who can help you with that, whether it be Chicago Title, Oklahoma, or one of the other closing companies or abstractors in the area, and we'll get that fixed for you. Absolutely. Oh, bless question. your heart. Okay. Thank well, we've got, we've got more to come. We are going to be talking about holding property in trust, LLCs, what about divorce, that kind of thing. Tune in. Stay tuned in. Tell Oklahoma Real Estate on the move. Welcome back to Oklahoma Real Estate on the Move. This is Becky Ivins, and I thank you for tuning in. And we are here with Elena Cochran from Chicago Title, Oklahoma. And it is time for... Hot, hot, hot. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, Lord. It's time for our smoking Hot Deal, brought to you by Casa Perico Mexican Grill. Uh, Casa Perico is... Have you ever eaten at Casa Perico? I have I not, but that sounds delicious. I can't believe I know you and you have not eaten at Casa Perico. <laughs> right next door, right next door. <laughs> right, it, yeah, 63rd. Okay. Just west of Meridian. Okay. And then there's one at 122nd and Penn. And then there is a another one 
at 505 East Main okay. on Route 66 in Yukon. I'm going to have to try it. It's it's authentic and Tex-Mex. That's, so you get I mean, the best of both worlds. You're not going to find there. a woman who doesn't like chips and queso and a margarita. There you so, go. Their margaritas are really it's, good. It's just therapy. And they, they have excellent margaritas. Mm. <laughs> so not not rough at all. Yeah. yeah. That sounds delicious. So, okay. Uh, we are going to be talking about... LLCs, mm-hmm. rental property, that kind of stuff. Yes. We've got a smoking hot deal to discuss first, and that is in Blackwood Farms at Riverbend. Uh, anybody that's been around for very long knows Ron James. He's a builder that has stood the test of times from the, I think, early 80s, maybe even into the 70s a little bit. Uh, and he builds a quality home. The nice thing is he stays up to date with his yes. finishes and his floor plans and exterior. Uh, tomorrow we've got an open house on Northwest 63rd Terrace in, or it might be 62nd Terrace in Riverbend's very first street mm-hmm. when you go south of 63rd Street. And uh, it's going to be held open, but tomorrow between about noon and 5. Uh, we're going to have a representative there part of the time, mm-hmm. and so go look at it. Absolutely, it's a really he puts so much interior cabinets, and oh, you cannot have enough storage space and excellent lighting in his homes. They're just quality. So uh, go. I think I'm trying to remember who's going to be there. Joe, I believe, is going to be there tomorrow. So that's our smoking hot deal. Now let's get to the rest of the story. If you have rental property, what's the best way to hold title? So if you have rental property, you are likely using that as a business income of some sort. So you want to hold the property in an LLC, which is a limited liability company. That means if someone were to sue you, one of the tenants, for for any myriad of reasons, unfortunately, if they were to sue you as the owner of that property for harm that befell them for any reason, that they could not get to your personal assets, your personal home, um, if the policy, if the homeowner's policy or whatever didn't cover. And so you want to hold it in a limited liability company and treat it as a limited liability company so it shields your liability so that it is separate from your personal assets. That way, if you're sued, they can't grab into your pockets and grab your personal, you know, have access to your home. And that's per, that's pretty important. Absolutely. So holding rental property in an LLC. Now, can you have more than one rental property in the same LLC? You can. It's it's exposing you a bit. I would say no more than three properties in any LLC because then if someone were to sue, they could have access to all of the assets with within those three properties. Um, you could always create a series LLC, which in it could be called Elena's LLC Series 1, Elena's LLC Series 2, and you could have one for each property. A lot of paperwork involved, but it very limits your liability without having to create a whole new LLC, pay a whole Secretary of State filing fee each year. But if you have rental properties, treating it like a business, keeping that operating account only for use of that property or those properties that are in it is the best way to shield yourself from liability and make sure you're not exposed to any kind of suit personally. Well, and keeping those separate like that in your LLC accounts is... Now, I keep one account for all my properties. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, all of my residential rentals, okay? 
and but I label each one separately. And about this time of year, my CPA always reminds me, Becky, if you've paid anything personally out of your personal account, be sure and reimburse yourself for yes. that so that your books are straight. Absolutely. On that LLC. Absolutely. You want to keep the business account business the personal account, personal. You don't want to start commingling any funds for any reason um, because you want it to be the court to look at it and be like, yes, this was a business account. We're going to shield it because of the protections of a limited liability company. Okay. I had planned to ask you a couple other questions, but I don't want to run short on time and not get this important question in. Okay. No matter how you hold title to a property, whether it's in your individual name whether it is in a joint account with a spouse, mm-hmm. a trust, an LLC, a corporation, however you hold title to that property, you must have a bank account in that name. Absolutely. Because I can't tell you how many times I've sold property and the representative, whether it be, uh, the trustee or the officer in the LLC or whatever it is, they walk around with this check because mm-hmm. they cannot get it deposited Absolutely. and cash it. So, And I understand the frustration. I get that at closing all the time. But I'm Joe Smith of the Joe Smith Trust. And yes, you are. And I get the frustration that I can't make this check out to you. But there's a reason why. You created a trust for a reason. You created an LLC for a reason. And that was to separate your properties and separate that liability. If I commingle and give funds to your personal account... If you were to be sued, the court would see that your account and that LLC account are one and the same, and they would pierce that corporate veil, and you wouldn't be as protected as you wish you would have. I've enjoyed having you here, and I hope you come back again real soon. Absolutely. And that's why Chicago Title Oklahoma is my favorite title company because they let me borrow all of their knowledge all of the time we are happy to share it we can't close it if you can't sell it okay next week we're going to hear from my personal attorney and my corporate attorney ron shallot on changes in the law so until then listen to my sweet husband sing us out may the lord always watch over you And may all of your hopes turn to wishes And may all of your wishes come true May each day in the month be a good day May you make friends with each one 